0: is back. Ready to be contentious and have some contention. Gordon Monson, right there to my right. I'm PK. Episode whatever it is, I don't know. I just know it's getting better and better. And we're coming to you live, Gordon, from Wise Guys Comedy Club. Down at the, what, south end of the gateway. We're in the green room <laughs> where famous comedians have sat on this very couch. Keith Stubbs, an old friend of ours, an old radio partner from way back, owns comedy clubs called Wise Guys up in Ogden, uh, what, uh, I think West Valley, and
1: this one right here by the gateway in the south uh, area of the gateway. Yeah, when you think about all the famous people that have sat on this very right. couch, yeah, it's it's it's. It's intimidating, but, you know, I feel the comedic vibe. Well, the
0: idea of me being able to say I was in the same room as Joan Rivers, that's (laughs) all I need, (laughs) man.
1: I can see how you might be touched by that. (laughs) Holy cow.
0: Oh, May she rest in peace. You pretty much name a big-time comedian, and they've come through wise guys for sure. Uh, Frank Caliendo, he's... He's up there these days. He's gotten a lot of run.
1: Yeah, there have been all kinds of guys coming through. David Spade, isn't he coming through? David Spade is
0: coming in the spring. I think early spring is coming in. Squar Brothers? Oh, I know they've been because they've been on our show.
1: Uh, Who else, man? He he gets everybody in here.
0: Because when we used to work, we used to work for the same radio company, and he would have them call up or come into our studio, many of them. Jay Moore... Jay Moore, uh, once when we were going to take a picture, him, me, and DJ, we get together, and he's in the middle, and so we have somebody to take the picture, and Moore farted, and he thought that was funny. (laughs) I thought that was funny in first grade. (laughs) That's what I thought, man. But he's a fellow dude from New Jersey, so... I had to play along. (laughs) Did you start farting, too? (laughs) No, I went and acted like it was funny. I thought it was a little on the juvenile side. (laughs) Yes.
1: Throw the line somewhere. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, all the the big-name comics have come through here. And uh, Adam Carolla is coming through here. Adam Carolla is going to be here. Uh, this very weekend. The Man Show. And this will be available
0: on the podcast where you can get any podcast to listen to us. So we'll just say it's uh, Saturday, Friday and Saturday nights, I think no, October 25th and 26th. Uh, for those of you who are listening uh, undated, who knows when you might be listening to this, we are taping this on one night before the jazz season opens, which is why we're doing it. The jazz season opens on the 23rd and we're taping it the 22nd and that's what we're going to be talking about the and, anything,
1: and really pk anything that happens tomorrow night i think what we say now applies because no oh, conclusions course. to be drawn tomorrow night oh, you know no.
0: don't don't even think about drawn conclusions until christmas yeah, at the earliest, really. I mean, when you look back two years ago, the Jazz didn't turn it on till the middle, towards the end of January. They're like nine games under 500, and they <laughs> went on an incredible run last year. They did not get over 500 until uh, consistently over. They did not stay over 500 until about Ju- uh, January 10th, somewhere in there. So, and we've spoken about that about how we think the Jazz don't necessarily need to get off to a fast start, but don't get off to a slow start. And that's important that they don't get off to a slow start. But I thought that for purposes of this podcast, when this season is said and done, and we've got a long way to go, obviously, but when we look back, when we get to July and free agency hits and the draft is done and everything when we get to that point when we look back on the 2019-2020 jazz season what do you think needs to happen for this season to be
1: labeled a success i would say well first of all let's get uh, let's get down to some details and then get into the broader strokes as far as the overall, will they can they win a championship and all that sort of thing? But specifically, I think they need to finish in the top ten in both offense and defense. Really? Yeah. That's I, what you're going to go. Well, I, I, I PK think, and David Locke coming at you. No, but I think there's uh, <laughs> something to it. There's been a lot of concern about the the defense in the preseason. Yes, and they've struggled with that. And Quinn addressed it, saying that offense is instinctive and uh, defense is uh, a matter of habit. And I understand what he's saying with that because a lot of the players that are new to the Jazz, more than half and so they're having to relearn what they what uh, something different from what they learned before and it's like pk you're a big time golfer if somebody if you go out and uh, when you were adjusting your game you had to lose your old habits or at least some of them and that can be harder for the veterans than it is for the younger players because they've been doing what they were doing previously longer And it's just going to take a little while for these guys to be able to communicate fully. I think they're talented enough. They may not be as good defensively as they were a year ago. But even last year, you remember that when the Mavericks came in and beat the Jazz by 50 points? And they were just scoring over the Jazz left and right. And that defense ended up being the second-rated defense in the league last year. So there's a danger of drawing uh, coming to too many conclusions too quickly. And I think they won't. The defense won't be at the same level early on as it was toward the end of last season, but it will evolve over time.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. That's why I want to go toward the end of the season looking back rather than trying to predict going forward, in a sense, before the season starts, look back. When I look at 2019-2020 season, when it is in the books and over, what is going to be your definition of success for this you'll, season?
1: You'll have seen an arc moving upward as far as defense goes and offense. I think looking back, if we're looking back at Correct. it, they got better as the season went on in on both ends of the floor. And the team started to gel, started to come together, understand each other. Mike Conley knew uh, over time, where Donovan Mitchell likes to get the ball, how quickly R- Rudy Gobert likes to get it, where does Joe Ingles like to all of this stuff. Familiarity breeds success, and uh, that's, that's what happened if we're looking back at it.
0: I think the great thing about sports in general, particularly at the pro level, is that – Your talent level will dictate where you go, how far you go, what type of success you have. It is pretty much, I can say, a foolproof equation. Your talent level will be accurately reflected in your record and the level of success that you have. You look at the last three years when they've had playoff teams, right? Given the talent level that they had, it was win a first-round series, get beat in the second round. Last year, they picked up Houston in the first round, so they lost in five games. You know, they've, I think they've lost to Houston twice in five games and lost to the Warriors, got swept three years ago, the first time they went to the postseason under Quinn Snyder, right? So that was probably about—I'll take the word probably out of it—that was where their talent level dictated where it should be, where it should end— was in that second round. Last year, Houston was the first round. So we get that. Now going forward, the talent level has increased, right? We would all agree that this is the most talented team that Quinn Snyder has had as a Jazz head
1: coach. Is that accurate? Yeah, that is accurate. And that's why Dennis Lindsay said they studied the last three playoffs and decided – clearly they weren't good enough and so they made the moves necessary and now they have essentially a two year window uh, in order to uh, get the championship that they have hoped for for a long time and we'll we'll see as this this season moves forward whether the talent is enough because I think Quinn Snyder is going to get, I've heard you say, PK, what a coach's main job is to to make the players as good as they can be. Yes. To motivate them and to instruct them how to do that. And what's the other thing? You have to, it's two things.
0: Get whatever talent level they have collectively, yeah. get that out of them, and then put them, or aim probably first, put them in a position to win. So that means you're doing everything possible. You're not doing
1: stupid stuff you're not making it worse by getting in the way and Quinn's not going to do that that's not his track record his track record is to make players better to make them the best they can be and I think he's going to do that again this time around uh you know but there will be a curve involved in it why because these guys are human sure I do think that
0: I agree with you to a good extent on the two-year window because contractually that's the way it plays out, although I do think this group could potentially have more, or the nucleus of this group anyway, could have more than two years if they choose to re-sign Conley and some other things at the end of two years. But for right now, we're assured basically that it is a two-year run. When you look at it, you know I assume they're going to re-up Gobert, Mitchell will be there, Uh, Bogdanovich and Ingram are already signed past two years but you've got some players who aren't or they're on uh, Conley's got the two years and some other players are on one year deals I think Exum's still got a couple of years he may only have one but basically yes and even Gail Miller said that I think she was on your show the big show that you you and Jake Scott do from three to seven I think she was saying that I think we'll win it, we can win a championship I don't know that we'll do it this year and so I think what she was getting at is that alright let's see how it goes this year and the next year you will not see Say, well, this team needs an arc because there needs to be some familiarity. That by that next year, they should have all that familiarity. So it's an opportunity to have an exciting two year run. For me,
1: when I get. If you're looking, one other thing. You said looking back at the season. Correct. We're looking back at the 2019. 2020 season, you'll see Rudy Gobert break his dunk record. He'll lead the league. He's going to get more dunks. He got more dunks if we're talking in past tense. Uh, Donovan Mitchell leads the Jazz in scoring. Uh, Mike Conley becomes the team leader over time. Uh, The offense is uh, a top-five offense, and the defense, I think, would be somewhere between five and ten.
0: And I would like to see Bojong Bogdanovich be one of the top five stretch fours in the league. And In so, the preseason, he yep. was like 0 for 55. He wasn't was he? in the bottom one. There was nobody worse than him. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Favors is saying, "Wait a second! I could have done that.
1: <laughs> I could have shot better than that. Easy. Yeah. Give me the rock." Yeah. You know that's not the truth. No, and uh, it's it's hard. I remember talking to Rudy Gobert just the other day about the performance of the team in the preseason, and he essentially admitted. He said, "Look." We're human beings. We know these games don't count. It doesn't mean we don't need to try harder and focus more and play with ferocity, but it's it's hard to do in the preseason. Yeah, I get it, especially guys
0: like him who played in the summer and had to do their national stuff, and then you're supposed to amp it up. And the NBA season is so long, so many games. I don't want them to amp it up in October. (laughs) You know what I mean? Why waste energy? And I think they knew that because to a degree – This program or team organization has been transformed from a young team to a veteran team, not quite overnight, but it's been a little slow. It was a gradual overnight. But when you add Conley and Green and Davis and Bogdanovich – all those dudes are old, they, you know, NBA-wise. They're veterans. Maybe not old, but they're veterans. And so they became a veteran team. So that idea of them being young and growing together, that's out the window. They can still grow together, but they're not going to grow together as a young team because they're not a young team. Mitchell's a young kid still, and Gobert is probably, you In know, maybe... Prime, be. I I think he maybe he might be a year away from his prime. Mm. But, you know, he's, he's right there, obviously. The point being is he's got several years to go before you have to worry about him slowing down, that's for sure. I think for me, my definition of when I get to the summer and look back, I'm going to go... I'm not a statistics, statistics guy. I'm a wins and loses guy. You know, did you win? How did... How many games did you win? And so from I'm going to look at it from the scale of winning. I'm not going to put NBA Finals and saddle them with that because I think that's too much. I'm not going to say Conference Finals. I think that's possible. But I'm not going to put that level of expectation on them. For me, what I'm going to do, success this season, you must, you absolutely must win a first-round series. That is a must. And then I'm going to extend it a little bit longer. In the second round, where you have been blitzed both times you've made it, you won one, I think, against the Rockets, and you got swept by the Warriors, I want to see this ball club extend at least until the sixth game of the second round. If they win a second-round series, I'm not quite ready to say almost anything beyond that. It doesn't matter because if they got swept in the finals 4-0, Western Conference Finals I'm speaking of, I think I would be somewhat disappointed. But I think that if they get to the second round, the sixth game, because if you get to a sixth game of a seven-game series, that's what we define as a long series, right? And a lot of these games that they got into in the second round before, they weren't really competitive. And I want competition in each of those games, and I want them to extend to six games at least in the second round. If they win it, then I think under most circumstances this season can be identified as a smashing success knowing what you said earlier it's a two year window and if they're getting to the sixth game of the second round and win or lose if win great but even lose if it's a hard fought competitive series where you felt like this team had a chance to win that series unlike the other two times they got to the second round we never felt like they had much of a chance if they have a chance we feel like like legitimately, and we'll know what that feels like. You fully well know what that feels like. If we feel like they had a legitimate chance to win the second round, and then they're bringing just about everybody back, the nucleus of the comes back for the 2021 season. I would classify that in 2019 2020 as an A season. If you want to go A plus, A minus, I don't care, but I would say A if I'm grading that, I would give that Jazz an A if they got to the second round. And the sixth game of the second round.
1: All right, so let me give you some scenarios and see if what you think about that. Because let's as as tough as it is in the West, let's say the Jazz ended up the two seed. That and right now, if you gave that option to the Jazz, they would take it.
0: I would take it too.
1: Yeah, I mean, with as tough as it is in the West, they're going to take that. What happens if they match up with the Golden State Warriors in the first? Uh, round of the playoffs and Clay Thompson is back. Now I know Kerr has said some things about how he won't be back, but then he, he he backpedaled a little bit on that. What if that scenario happened, or what if the Jazz were the three seed and then they ended up playing Denver in the first round? Would you still hold by what you said before that no matter who they face in that first round, if they don't get through it, then it's a failure? Yes. Because all that's just gobbledygook. It's time to win. Yes. Yes. I believe in the
0: acquisitions that they made. Yes, I do. I believe in the talent of this team. So I'm going to set a high standard. Because I would rather set a higher standard and be disappointed than set a lower standard. I think standards need to be high. They need to be at a level that maybe might even be a little bit beyond because the only way you're going to get there is to set that standard. That's why if you want to win a title, which we all talk about, they all talk about incessantly, when Jim Olson said when he got promoted to what, president of Larry H. Miller Sports Entertainment, which basically is president of the Jazz, yeah. we're not going to rest until we win a title.
1: That's what he said.
0: Right. I mean, that's ver- pretty much verbatim, right? So that's the goal. So I'm not going to sit here and say, wow, man, if they're – they, oh, well, that, yeah, that doesn't really count because they got paired up with Denver. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> if you're telling me – and that doesn't mean that if they don't get it that this season was an abject failure. And I don't even know what abject means. It's just one of those words <laughs> I've heard you know like a complete a, like when you hear the word ominous you always like ominous clouds you know and it's like a q has to be followed by a u the, <laughs> the ominous always is preceding the word clouds or something you know what i mean it's one of those words that you always use together or this phrases so i can't necessarily say it's a failure but i'm saying what is a success not necessarily if they don't that means it's a failure I'm saying, how do we
1: label this a success? I think, I think this is what the Jazz are looking at. They want to be in the Western Conference Finals. Okay, I, I, I think that's what they're looking at. Now they're not; they may not say that, uh, but uh, I, I think that is where they are. You know, for a long time, Dennis Lindsey said, "Not going to skip steps. Not going to skip steps." But like you said, they got to a point where they kept the team the same, and they learned that it wasn't good enough. So what they do, they went out and addressed their weaknesses. They didn't just. Change things to mix it up. They went and they looked at wh- where they were weak and they improved those areas with those veterans that you were talking about earlier. And so now the next step is I think to make it to the Western Conference Finals and that's it you talk about steep standards that's a steep one with how good it is in the West because you got the Clippers you got the Lakers you got you got the Nuggets you got the Rockets you got the Blazers you got we get it it's hard it's hard but the Jazz have the talent to do it it's a matter of application of that talent I think they're good enough talent wise and I think they have one of the smartest coaches in the NBA you put those two things together if they live up to what they can do and they do what Quinn Snyder instructs them to do, they have a real shot. Now, I know in the NBA, everybody talks about matchups. and If you have a bad matchup or whatever, I think that's what they address. They addressed offensive teams that they couldn't hang with in the past and they think this team can hang. Okay, so
0: would you say or what would you say to my level my measurement, my barometer as far as success goes? For this coming season, when we look back,
1: I say uh, make it to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, that's what I think they, they they are looking at. So
0: you got them winning two rounds in order to in order to label this su- season a success. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure if they don't get there. But to label this season and give them an A grade, they've got to win two rounds and get to the Western Conference Finals.
1: That would be an abject success. I don't even know what abject means, Me man. An abject lesson? That would be awesome. That would be probably – because, again, you're looking at who are they going to – if they make it to the Western Conference Finals, who are they most likely to be playing? The Clippers, right? So that means that either the Clippers or the Jazz dusted the Rockets, the Lakers, the Nuggets, all those teams we talked about earlier, the Warriors – so that that's a rousing success and I they believe that they can do that. And we'll see if they can.
0: Okay, so what percentage of a chance do you give them
1: doing that? Can't uh, be more than 50, it, it, can it? Uh probably not. But 25? I I'd, I'd, I'd ratchet it up from there. I somewhere between 40 and 50.
0: 40 and 50% to win two playoff rounds.
1: Man. Yeah. 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 But I'm a I'm a glass half full guy.
0: Well, oh, I'm a glass two-thirds empty.
1: <laughs> you're an empty glass guy. <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, we I'm a have paper to, cup. In guy. order to fully believe it, we have to see it. Man, that's a that's a high. That's higher than me. That you're higher than me. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's easy. Believe me, I, got I know. Him. I know it's very difficult, especially in the West. This is going to be one of those years. I saw Vegas odds, and they had the Jazz's odds at winning a championship twelve to one. It was the, it was the seventh highest odds, and four of the six teams in front of them were in the West, and the two in the East were Milwaukee and Philly.
0: Okay, that's why I'm saying an extended second round series.
1: Yeah, but Vegas is Vegas the gospel truth?
0: Oh, not necessarily, because in the NBA, you know, with the trades, you know, in colleges, you're not making trades, right? The team is what it is, and you got to ride it through and hope you don't get besieged by injuries. In the NBA, we've got the trade deadline, and you know, then they do the thing where they waive guys and whatnot, and so they sign after being cut loose. So the rosters, complexion of rosters could change the middle of february whenever that trade deadline is and in some cases it might be drastic who knows you know we don't we don't know on that we know Dennis Lindsay talked about how he was working on Mike Conley for two years which obviously meant last year during the trade deadline they were trying to acquire the guy yeah and so then it became obvious that Memphis was going to do it once they had the rights to draft John Morant because that becomes redundancy so you go with the young guy rather than the 32 year old that you're paying 32 million dollars so it was much easier to make that trade this offseason once they got the second pick and took the point guard out of Murray State and let him do his thing and see what happens there but you know that they were trying feverishly to and and i think they thought they had a deal done from what i what i understand Mm -hmm. that they were they were to the point of basically congratulating each other (laughs) uh uh right before the trade deadline and and it's
1: the disappointment yeah and i've been
0: told that from people who i trust and so with that in mind They thought it got it done. Nevertheless, they got it done in the summer. Going forward, that's all that matters. But the point is, there could be some drastic moves that are three, four months away, and we're not even sure. We don't even really have any idea what they are. So I don't. That's why the
1: jazz be involved in that. And uh, they
0: So that's why I don't necessarily think that that Vegas line is now, as you said, twelve to one and seventh. But that is that is an adjusting sliding scale.
1: Well, just so you know, a couple months ago, it was 33 to 1. There you so, go. So it has moved, and it yeah. will probably it'll, – it'll move again. So, okay, let's look at it this way, PK. You got the Jazz. They have these this, this sort of uh, injection of talent. But who are they going up against? You got the Clippers, obviously with uh, Kawhi and uh, and Paul George. You get the Lakers with LeBron and AD. So th- those are problems. I think the Jazz could handle the Lakers better than the Clippers. And who are you looking at with Houston? I mean, that is a huge risk. What Houston has done, and I'm not sure that that's going to work. I think it could work to a certain level, but I, at this point in time, I'm not going to sit there and go, "Man, the Jazz like last year had no chance to beat Houston." I think they, they, they. If I look at it now, I think the Jazz would be favored to beat Houston. Really. Well, not, that's not In the attitude. Too. That's not the attitude right this second. But I think by the end of the season oh, okay, it will be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I so can... who else? Who else are you looking at? Well, the Warriors, I guess, if Clay Thompson comes back. But you know, I'm... yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. The The Warriors are a big wild card.
0: We got to put the Warriors over here. Who knows? Yeah, there's we there's no point in speculating on awards. What about we the don't Nuggets?
1: Are you a Nuggets guy? Because a yes. lot of people are yes. saying yes. Uh, singing their praises. I I don't know because at the end of last year. I, I think it would have been preferable for the Jazz to line up against the Nuggets last than the Rockets. year. Last year, yeah, but not, they that, added that, Jeremy Grant, so he's a defensive player to yes. help them at that end because they don't need a whole lot of help at the no, offense. No, they got but. that
0: young kid Porter who's been playing in the preseason. You know, yeah. he was uh, expected to be the number one pick last year, and he had an injury and he sat out. So we'll see. If, I don't know how he's going to react during an 82 game season with back injuries. Uh, th- those things can be very difficult to overcome, but I am definitely a Nuggets fan. The Nuggets will have a say and will play a role. Jokic is just too good. I love guys from Kentucky. Jamal Murray. I mean, I would draft guys from Kentucky uh, that, he's, uh, he's, all the time. He's, Calipari has uh, yeah. an eye, mm-hmm. and this guy, he, he, well, he the, well the kids out of Duke tend to underachieve relative to their expectation <laughs> when they get to the NBA. Yeah, kids out of Kentucky seem to overachieve. You know what I mean? (laughs) They just seem to get in the NBA and just blossom. Calipari has an eye. I once interviewed him in the Anaheim Pond in a locker room, and he was sitting in his Fruit of the Looms. (laughs) (laughs) That must have been a treat. He was coaching Keith Van Horn, and it's Keith Van Horn's rookie year. And so the paper sent me down to do a thing, and Keith was actually injured. I had a long conversation with Keith on the team bus. We sat on there. And then uh, before that, I had done Calipari. And it was uh, after a preseason game, I think it was. And so he was changing from his suit to sweats. And so he he stopped. He didn't put his sweats on, but he took his suit off. (laughs) <laughs> you, got, you got a little
1: too much information That's there. fine.
0: He's a, he's a good interview. He's always been a good interview. He knows how to work it. It's but, not like
1: the old days of interviewing Majerus when he's flossing with his towel. Yeah, I don't want to go there.
0: I, I don't want to go there. But yet you went there. Even in the podcast, I don't want to go there. I'm going to ask that whoever handles the uh, posting of this podcast to please <laughs> edit, edit that, that out. And that did not exist. I do not need that metal image. I never needed I'm that, that I, mental image. So
1: My apologies. I
0: do think those Kentucky kids are good and Denver Denver's going to be a fine ball club. Yeah, they they the heck, they might win the west for all I know or at least get the number 1 seed in the west cuz they pushed it right to the end last year. I they, say it's going to come down to the Jazz and the Clippers. All right, there it goes. And then, then that, that's consistent with your Western Conference Finals then. So I'll give you that. That's, that's a
1: fact. And that's, at, least you're, uh, at
0: least you have consistency in your argument. And they have to, Your they, argument's flawed, but they, at least you have
1: consistency. <laughs> obviously, they have to stay healthy. Uh, one question as we uh, wrap this thing up, and it, it, it may not seem like it's that important a question, but it might be, and I don't know the answer to it. Will Dante Exum play a role in helping the Jazz reach their goal this season?
0: Yes, and hopefully that would be at the trade deadline they get something for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it? Don't let the door hit you on the way out, Dante? Because if it does, it might, uh, you might pull a hammy. Well, if he can ever stay healthy,
0: yes at least defensively even if he contributed nothing offensively yes when you've got that size and that agility and those long arms yes you're just made for defense man you just scream play defense and you can i don't i haven't seen him play in like 14 years i mean i think i got to go back to eighth grade film in australia but if he if he can maintain some semblance of his athletic ability then yeah he can blow by guys offensively and defensively he can hassle guys but I mean, come on! How many times are we going to do this? How many times can I count on him and and have him get injured? It's been one misfortune after another. It's awful for the kid. I don't take any joy in saying what I'm saying, (laughs) but this is pro sports, man, and you've got to try to win ball games, right? These guys are stakes are high. And I mean, as soon as I say stakes are high, my voice breaks. Stakes are high.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One last thing, PK, we got to come clean with. You were listed at six five you're really six two <laughs> yeah, my dreams. I was listed at six seven and i'm six five and uh and, and and the fish we caught uh were not five feet long, they were two and a half feet long, and uh you're long off the tee uh but not three hundred and thirty five yards. You're more a two seventy five you know I would
0: wrap my whole body around a two hundred and seventy five yard drive. <laughs> Yeah, if I could hit the ball that far, I'm listed at about a seven or eight handicap. If I could hit the ball 275 yards off the tee down the middle, oh my gosh, I would try, I would knock off about four or five strokes of that handicap. So well,
1: I hit mine 295, two fairways over. So uh, oh, there, there you go.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it's not just distance; it also has to be a semblance accuracy. of accuracy because you're right. If you do hit it two fairways over, who cares how far you hit it?
1: I think what the NBA has learned through this whole thing is they have great athletes. It's it's fun to watch. You don't have to stretch the truth about how big your players are.
0: No, and they're all pretty big A big enough. It's, 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 it's it's not the uh, the size necessarily. It's what you do with what you have. To, and I'm speaking about basketball. So <laughs> Did your wife tell just, you that? Just uh, Again, we need to edit that out. Who's ever in charge of this? This is not the adult version of it's incontention. <laughs> I like to think it's the family version It's always the, it's always of the guys with
1: certain deficiencies that say uh, that
0: size doesn't uh, matter. Yeah, right? You know what I meant, dog. I'm saying, like Donovan Mitchell. Okay, he's undersized. Yeah. But who cares? <laughs> he plays big. Right. He
1: dunks the ball, yes. he elevates on his jumper. So
0: just because you're 6-6 doesn't make you a better player than Donovan Mitchell. And I, and I that drives me nuts sometimes. Donovan Mitchell is plenty big enough. What he does with his 6-3 frame so far has been outstanding and I have no reason to think that it won't even get better. So just because and we've seen plenty of guys who are 7 feet that are stiffs it's can't how how well can you move? How can you play the game? Never forget, it's about playing the game. We see that so much in football, Gordon, where they go crazy on these measurables, and the guy can't play the game. Yeah, you got to be able to play the game, particularly football. You got to have passion. You got to have heart. You got to have intensity. All those things that make a great player. You got to have smarts. You know, we're seeing it now with these smaller quarterbacks, with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and obviously Drew Brees is the staple of small quarterbacks. And to think that Drew Brees went in the second round, yeah. what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what uh, who else was available in His draft, but I know he went the second round I think he was the first pick of the second round Obviously he should have been the first pick of the first round <laughs> You know, if you've got a six foot five Peyton Manning That's great, but there's other ways To get the job done And Donovan Mitchell and a guy like Drew Brees are the perfect examples. Now, as we end from Wise Guys Comedy Club right here at the Gateway, do you have any parting words that will not need to be edited out?
1: The only thing I can think of, it's not the size of the boat, it's the motion in the ocean. In contention, we hope there's another edition. Stay
0: with us and thank you for listening.